0: And also, I'd say 1970s and uh, 1960s America, if you had longer hair, that was more of an act of rebellion. Absolutely. And- No m- longer now, man buns.
1: Let's let's not go there.
0: Not going to the man buns? No. Okay. No,
1: no. Okay. This Air Force, Air National Guard, senior NCO, yeah, I've got a problem with the man bun. You guys can come <laughs> beat me up later about it, but- You know, I'm cool if you want to have long hair, but the man bun, you look silly, in my opinion. So I've just lost half the audience now. Uh, But one thing is clear from Genesis, get back onto the point, God made men and women different, and it
0: was and is true. You may be one choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Brian and Jennifer Hartley.
1: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast. We're excited to be with you as um, we're heading into spring now. So you may notice um, this podcast, my voice is a little different. Of course, the day we record is the day my sinuses are all backed up and bum, have, bum, bum. my allergies are going nuts. So hopefully that's not too distracting for you guys as we, uh, as we go on with this podcast. But I think you're feeling all right today. Eh?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. Always happy to be back in, in the studio and uh, you know, no, re- ready to, to be right at it and uh, talk more about uh, marriage and, and how God plays such a big part in it.
1: Yeah, that's great. And thanks to everyone who has been um, rating and reviewing the podcast. We've got a review here we'd like to share with you.
0: Yeah, and thanks thanks so much, uh, Maltese Jag for uh going ahead and uh and, and taking some time to to review. And it it's fantastic because it just helps people uh find us. And uh what uh Maltese Jag has to say about us is excellent five stars. This is an excellent way to take the time to step back, analyze, self-reflect, and adjust various things in your marriage. All of us need to take inventory regarding our lives in general and most definitely our marriages. The nuclear family is something that has been vital to my wife and I from before we met 13 years ago. We both knew how we shared the same philosophy about holy matrimony. To get tips and learn from this podcast is something that we should all be doing to ensure we are on top of our marriage game, so to speak. (laughs) God comes first. Family comes right after our relationship with God. God and family, it must be the priority. So again, thank you so much, Maltese J. and, you know, let, let's make sure that we're all uh, on, on top of our marriage game. As you put it, we we appreciate the encouragement.
1: Yeah. And for those of you listening, it would be great if you could take a moment and rate and review the podcast as well. It really does help people find the podcast yes. and help others um, learn more about how to have a thriving marriage as well. And today um, we're talking about thriving marriage. We're talking about husbands. Um, and uh-huh. really, so it was interesting I got this book uh, about a month ago, and it's um, by a guy named Richard Reeves. Um, it's called Of Boys and Men, Why the Modern Male is Struggling, Why it Matters, and What to Do About It. And the reason I got this is um, we've got a adolescent son, and it's- Pray for about, us. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome. He is. But like a lot of us, you know, we're trying to figure out what's the best way to help him with school. He's doing great, and we're proud of him. But we always, as parents, of course, and those of you who are parents understand- School is tricky, and middle school is awkward and weird, and you're just trying to fit in and belong, and then your parents are like, yeah, but what about your grades? And the middle school is like, yeah, I don't care about my grades. I want to play Minecraft, and I want to fit in with my friends. And this book was talking about, well, when I heard about it in an interview on the radio, this guy was talking about some of the structural things in education that Mm -hmm. make it difficult for boys.
0: Sure, and and that's something that you know, of course, we all know boys and girls are different, men and women are different um, for a lot of different uh reasons, and by God's design, but uh you you never know exactly what all those differences are and how they're going to manifest at different ages and personality coming into effect too. So it's an interesting thing. Um, My good friend, Julie, has uh, two sons and a daughter. The daughter's the youngest. And she just said that she feels like had the daughter been the oldest, her two boys would have felt like failures.
1: And how, how sad is that? And so with education, and this is a marriage podcast, not an education or parenting podcast, with education, we're seeing this um, gap between achievement in boys and girls. And the book, if you're interested, again, it's Richard Reeves um, of Boys and Men. And there's a gap, and they need to do more research is one of his arguments to show, hey, we can see this difference between um, boy achievement and girl achievement in school. But it got me thinking, and he talks a little bit about this with fathers. There's been a lot of changes in the past decades in our society about men and women and how they fit in and how they interact with each other. Sure. And he talked about this for work and fatherhood, but he didn't cover really how that affects marriage. And I do think that there is this, this struggle, This as things have changed and things have gotten better for women, which is good and we want to celebrate that and it's important. Um, what we're seeing is men are trying to figure out how we fit in in this society. And there's a lot of conflicting messages. So I want to hit some of the things that um, Reeves said in his book um, to highlight the issues that um, we as husbands are facing. And then we want to talk a little bit more about how we as men, as um, husbands and wives together, can create a better environment and how, truthfully, guys, how we need to reimagine what being a husband is. And I'll talk about that a little bit in a minute, because sometimes, unfortunately, we get this idea that the old way of being a man was the right way in the biblical way. And that's not necessarily true. And we'll get to that. But I want to talk about these issues facing um, men and masculinity. One of the things Reeves said is the male role has long been culturally defined as that of provider and based on the economic dependence of mothers on men. So the idea is for a long time, men were considered, hey, you are the breadwinner. And that was men's purpose. But that's changed now.
0: And uh, another one or or the second one here is that traditional role has been dismantled by the securing of economic independence by women. And that might not be a bad thing in and of itself, but that's definitely a shift.
1: Yeah, it's changing. So um, men feel okay, that traditional role has been changed. So Another thing he says is culture and policy are stuck in an obsolete model of fatherhood, and I would argue and husband or husbandhood, husbandhood. Yeah, we can make up words, there right? You That's go. okay. I'm lagging
0: way behind the economic reality. And the fourth thing too, this results in something that was termed a dad deficit. Um, and, and I think we had talked about this, and you put it as like a husband confusion. Yeah. So a dad deficit and a husband confusion with men increasingly unable to fulfill the traditional breadwinner role, uh, but yet to step into a new role, whatever that would be.
1: Right. So we get a situation where there was a time when women didn't have economic opportunity. That's changed for the better. And we celebrate that. And that's a good thing. We don't want to go back to that. but we haven't caught up with, okay, when men were their job, their purpose for being was to provide for the family. And when women can say, well, I don't need you to be provider, that doesn't mean I don't need you as husband. And men, just because our wives may or may not need us as provider doesn't mean we don't have a role in the family. And also that doesn't mean that we need to No, I am going to be the breadwinner. I'm going to be in control and push our wives out of that economic opportunity because you're taking away great benefit for your family if you demand that you're going to be the one making the money because there's great economic opportunity for your family, but you got to think about it the right way. So all of this has led to this confusion and frustration in masculinity. And so now what we have is three out of four deaths of despair what that means is suicide or overdose are by men wow three out of four of the deaths of despair they're just in depression and have no purpose and no meaning it's because it's men who are committing suicide or overdosing because they don't feel like they belong
0: and Um, what a tragedy
1: it's horrible and so even um, and so Even um, feminist authors are starting to notice this. Susan Faludi said, The more I consider what men have lost, a useful role in public life, a way of earning a decent living, appreciation in the home, respectful treatment and culture, the more it seems that men of the late 20th century are falling into a status oddly similar to that of women at mid-century.
0: And um, Melissa Kern, who's an economist, uh, said in 2019, I am really worried about the extent to which men in the U.S. are being pushed to the side of economic, social, and family life. And again, what a tragedy. And
1: I think one of the obvious things of this, of course, we see in media, right, where the husband is the butt of a lot of the jokes now. Homer Simpson. He's an idiot. He's barely getting by. And we see this time and time again in a lot of things where it's okay for the husband to be portrayed as a fool, to be portrayed as the guy who's screwing everything up. I think, again, of um, Home Improvement, Tim Allen's show, where... 1990s He for was both. the one right. that he was he was a well-meaning, foolish person who was clumsy and couldn't get his act together. And it's just become something where... Men now have lost some of their identity. And this traditional, the the traditional needs that husbands filled in the family, it's changed. And that's just, there's no denying that. And we've got to accept that. And when we try to say that's not real, that creates confusion in the family.
0: And also, you don't want it to be demanding to rewind some decades back to a preferred decade um, because we'd be remembering all the good things about that decade, but none of the the negatives there. Um, but right now, it, 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 you're very right there, Brian, we haven't developed this uh, new paradigm for husbands that would fit that new cultural reality right now in the 2020s.
1: And I feel this and a lot of the men listening to this probably feel this as well. I don't want to speak for you, but I felt this, and I've had conversations with other guys to feel this, a lot of pressure to figure out what it means to be a man in contemporary society. Mm-hmm. What does it look like? And unfortunately, the policymakers, the talking heads on television, and even some of the leaders in different church organizations have either said, one, hey, boys, men, you need to be more like your sisters. You need, If you want to be successful, you need to be more like the your peers that are women.
0: Oh, that's such a problem.
1: But then the other side is, no, men, you need to be more like your dad, or need to be more like your grandpa. Well, my dad, I love my dad. He was an awesome person, and he raised my, my sister and I, and we had a great lifestyle. But the world today... And the issues that we as a couple face are very different from what my parents were facing in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And our children are facing things that are different than my sister and I did. I can't be a husband and a dad like my dad was because he was a husband and dad for his time, not ours.
0: Absolutely. And for some of that, it's like you taking positive characteristics but not having it not you, you cannot step into and say, I'm going to be a father or I'm going to be a man in 2023 but have it be like a guy would be in the 1980s. It, it's just it's just not going to work. It's not going to gel. Our kids um, have uh, decided that the best movies ever made were in the 1980s. And I feel like fight me on that because I agree with them. <laughs> um, but there, there's a lot of things that, that you see back to the future. Karate Kid just. um Kids dealing with each other in different ways, adults dealing with each other in, in different ways, and again, it was set for a time, and uh, it it doesn't always express outside of that. So, so what do you do to 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 a, to a, you were saying reimagine um, more of biblical masculinity? But I, I think that to an extent, we don't we don't have to use our imagination because God has laid this out in, in Scripture, and I I like to say a lot of times that. You know, God is is not an American, which I think surprises people sometimes, <laughs> um, but God exists outside of time, but he has the perfect prescription as to how to be men, a different podcast, of course, but also how to be women for all times.
1: Well, and I think that's a very important, and we do need to go back to what does the Bible say about masculinity, but I think we need to be very careful about that because there's a certain branch Of people that are trying to apply the Bible, but they'll use American culture and say this is what biblical masculinity is. So, for instance, the Bible does clearly say that men and women should dress and look like men or women. A man should dress and not try to pass himself off as a woman. Mm -hmm. A woman should not try to pass herself off as a man. That's something that is consistent throughout the Bible. Um, But What a man looks like and dresses like is different. So, for instance, no one in the Bible wore pants.
0: Surprise!
1: None of the men wore pants. And so, this idea that, well, wearing pants in America here, the signs on the restrooms that say male or female, things like that, it's either a skirt or pants. The skirt is for women, pants for men. But that wouldn't have made sense. To Jesus or his disciples, or Paul or any of the people of the Bible, because no one wore pants
0: that that wasn't the style we're not saying they were walking around in shirts and no pants, they were wearing a different style of clothing and being modest about it. so there we go
1: so there is an aspect of masculinity that is cultural, and we've got to accept that another example that um, was often made fun of amongst uh, my peers in the military is. Middle Eastern men hold hands fingers interlaced, so it's not the pancakes side palm to palm, it's fingers interlaced. Waffles, and they will walk together, hands interlaced, and they're friends. In Western society, the society we're used to, that is a romantic gesture. Sure, you don't I mean you and I walk with our hands interlaced, but I would not. hey Todd, I love you. But I would not walk down the street holding your hand. And he's happy that I wouldn't do that. And even then, if I'm trying to grab him, I wouldn't interlace my fingers. I might grab, hey, no, Todd, don't get hit by that bus. I might grab his hand, but I'm not going to interlace my fingers. That's a tender, intimate thing for us. But for men in Arab and Persian cultures, it's a that's, thing. That's just normal. And there's no romantic gesture about it. And there's nothing wrong with that or different ideas of long hair. You know, for Mm -hmm. a long time, men didn't have long hair. But in Asian societies, men had long hair. And then in ancient Near East, it was shameful for a man to cut his hair short. It was considered um, when you got your hair cut, that was an object of ridicule or shame. Or it was, hey, I shaved my hair off for this vow. And mm-hmm. waiting for it to grow back.
0: And also, I'd say 1970s and, and uh, 1960s America. If you had longer hair, that was more of an act of rebellion. Absolutely. And no longer now, man buns.
1: Let's let's not go there.
0: Not going to the man buns. No. Okay. No.
1: No. Okay. This Air Force, Air National Guard, senior NCO. Yeah, I've got a problem with the man bun. You guys can come <laughs> beat me up later about it, but. You know, I'm cool if you want to have long hair, but the man bun, you look silly, in my opinion. So I've just lost half the audience now. Uh, But one thing is clear from Genesis, get back onto the point. God made men and women different, and it was and is good. Mm -hmm. So men, what we are not saying is that you need to be more like your wives. Your wives don't need another one of them. They need you to be you. Yes, um, A godly husband is not more feminine. Nope. A godly husband is masculine, guided by the example of Jesus, just as a godly wife is feminine, guided by the example of Jesus. Can you flesh that out a bit more? Well, absolutely. So, you know, in a lot of ways, again, we've talked about, hey, I sat down one time in one of the most uncomfortable Bible studies And my dad and I were going there to this men's Bible study, and we never went back because we sat down. And the first thing the leader said is, men, we need to be more like women. Are you kidding? I'm not at all. Now, his point was men have a tendency to communicate their feelings less. Men have a tendency to be more closed off. But what we need to do is acknowledge and celebrate, okay, this is what masculinity is in our culture. Then look at are there areas of American masculinity that don't match up with the Bible? The problem is the Bible doesn't get into specifics sure. about it. The Bible is very general. For instance, the place that gives the most direct instruction to men, I think, is Titus chapter two, um, Paul specifically lays out instructions to Titus on what to teach men and what to teach women. And I'm just going to go over the men stuff because we're talking about um, biblical husbands. Paul says to Titus, older men are to be temperate, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and endurance. I don't see anything about pants. I don't see anything about being the breadwinner. I don't see anything about, I'm the king of my castle. Oh boy. Um, I don't see those things. I see Paul telling Titus to teach older men to be the example for their family in godliness. Mm -hmm. And that's going to look differently in America, in the United Kingdom, in Australia, wherever. That's going to be different what that means. But that's the example. It's not, okay, you will fulfill this role in the family. And then Paul goes on to say to younger men, encourage younger men, Likewise, to be self-controlled.
0: And I, you see that theme of being self-controlled, because I, I think we've all seen, you were, we're focusing this podcast talking about men, but if, if you've seen a man who doesn't have self-control, it, it's a real disaster.
1: Right. It doesn't say anywhere in there, okay, men, go get the job, make the money. Nor does it say, men, you will be the disciplinarian. Men, you will plan all the vacations. It says, set an example of godliness. Ephesians five twenty five tells men to love their wives just as Christ loved the church. Again, there's not this okay. What did masculinity look like in a particular time period that you think was the golden age of masculinity? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a big fan of John Wayne, like my dad was, I know some people have my grandpa too. So, um, John Wayne was very popular. I know some people have struggled with him, but the example of John Wayne is not necessarily biblical masculinity mm-hmm. nor is the example of Chris Pratt or Keanu Reeves or Chris who, Pine Chris, right? i mean yeah a lot of these guys i love their movies but they're not necessarily the example of what it means to be a godly man in their movies because that can shift and then in Ephesians 5:23 it says that husbands are the head of the wife just as Christ is head of the church
0: and of course, we've we've talked a lot about gender roles on some other episodes of the podcast. And you know, if you if you want to go back to some of those, uh, those are episodes five and twenty six, uh, where we're talking more about gender roles there. But I, I think as a quick point of summary, it, we we can say that the husband is going to ultimately be held accountable by God for the direction and the leadership of the family. But I, I think it's good to keep in mind that leadership from this biblical perspective, from this biblical teaching, is serving others, being spouse, being uh, kids, and and guiding them in the direction of these mutual goals that are ultimately glorifying to God.
1: Exactly. I mean, look what Jesus said. He said, the greatest among us will be the servant of all. Mm -hmm. You know, he says we should not seek leadership and lordship as the gentiles do and he said no you're going to be a servant sure and that man is you as a husband are you the best servant in your family jesus is the best servant ever and laid down his life for everyone while we were sinners while we were rejecting him People were walking by and ridiculing him and spitting on him, and his response was Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amen. Leadership is a subordinate role in service. There may be there are issues of okay, when a decision needs to be made, we believe that you need to have a team captain. When we can't when we're someone has to be able to say, okay, we're going to take the left fork rather than the right fork, both look equally good, we talk to the team, we get an example, and then someone has to be the one to say, engage, this is where we're going to go. That's you. And that's the husband. But that's an act of service, not an act of lordship. And so things the Bible does not say about husbands, we've talked about this a lot, is the Bible does not say... That the husband must be the primary breadwinner in the family, and thank God for that.
0: Sure, and I, I think in uh, in in the twenty uh, twenties, it, it's the just the reality is there have been. Uh, more opportunities for women to get education, more opportunities for women to uh, be earners, and uh, I think everybody can kind of figure out if you're looking at a a military guy and who who is uh, also in in ministry. No surprise that a lawyer, being myself, has uh, more earning potential uh, by and large. And uh, I am the primary breadwinner for the family, and I, I don't think either of us feel any kind of personal shame or guilt or anything about that one way or the other.
1: And I think that's going to be more and more, just looking at the statistics. I mean, really, more women are graduating med school, mm-hmm. more women are graduating law school, more women are graduating college. Not that that's the only way to get get a good living, and this is a big
0: Right. This is this is a this is another podcast because we're all about the trades and getting people in, involved, uh, you know, in being electricians and, and plumbers and contractors because you can make a great living that way, too.
1: That's a big soapbox that I love to get up on and that Jen's going to kick me off of if I do that today, because that's not the point. But, yeah, the reality is though we're going to see more and more of women being the primary breadwinner in the family. And that is not replacing the husband in the family. No, not a bit. And that's not replacing the husband's leadership in the family. Mm -mm. It just means that that person is the one who is bringing in the resources. And I think of a military unit, sometimes the leader in charge is not the one that's doing the most useful work. You know, we've got in the Air Force, our pilots go out and fly the planes. The person in charge generally isn't allowed to fly the planes anymore. They've learned how to fly the planes usually because they need to understand the tactics and strategies of aerial combat. But it's other people who are doing the work. Other people who are maintaining the aircraft. Rarely does a maintenance officer do maintenance actions. Mm -hmm. They set the policy and they lead it, but it's the ones that are out there that are actually turning wrenches are not that. So you don't have to be the breadwinner to be the leader.
0: Well what I I've, I've always thought was interesting is I I've seen men, I've seen pastors say it's a problem if women are going to be making more money than their husband because you know what they're going to lord that over their husband and it's going to be awful. And it makes me pause and say gosh, were men doing that to women in the past? And you know what? A woman who is earning more, should not lord it over her husband. But similarly, if a man's earning more than their wife, they should not lord it over the wife. There, there's that mutuality in that team marriage.
1: Sin is sin, whether men or women are doing it. It's selfishness and pride are sin, whether it's a man or a woman.
0: So again, I'm the primary breadwinner Totally comfy with that, all good. But you, my friend, are the primary disciplinarian when it comes to our kids. And that's our, how
1: it's worked out best, mostly I think, because of how God has made us and our personalities. And that's more of a traditional role for a husband and dad is to be, okay, I hated when my mom said this, just wait till your dad gets home because I knew oh, I was
0: in trouble. Yeah.
1: And so that's more traditional. And so our family, we do have more of that American traditional, but in some American cultures. I've talked to colleagues and different people who the last thing they wanted to do was to cross Mama Uh because Mama was going to get that spoon or that switch and they were in trouble.
0: Oh dear, no (laughs) doubt. Well, also I remember when you were uh, a chaplain at a Christian school, you you would talk to Lindsey Hunter, who's you know retired professional NBA player, you know go go Pistons, and he had kind of talked to you before. uh, we, we were ha- having kids, or I think we had Brenda and Jonathan was on the way. And,
1: you know, what did he say to you about that? And that was interesting. So Lindsay, a great man of God and really appreciated him. We happened to be having lunch together. One of his children was in my class and I was the chaplain of the school and he was coaching basketball. And I was talking about this and I was telling him, I don't want our family to be like my family. And I don't want to oh, when I walk in, have to deal with the discipline of the children. And he said, wait, 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 you've got to get off of that because sometimes that's what you need to be as husband and dad. And he wasn't saying that every husband, every dad necessarily has to be that. But if that's the role, if that's how it's going to fit, then that's the way it needs to be. And you can't just say, well, I don't want that because I didn't like it. You've got to look at what's the best, what's the most loving thing in our family and for us, for a lot of reasons, neither of us wants to discipline our children. Neither of us likes it, but it's something that I more naturally come to than Jen does. That's true. And so the loving thing is not, Jen, you've got to discipline the children before I get home because I want to come home and play. No, the loving thing is, okay, Jen, I would have rather walked in the door and pulled out Legos or started playing video games or wrestled with the kids or gone for a walk with them. But I understand the loving thing for you is for me right now to deal with the ridiculousness, whatever it was, because just like every kid, there's ridiculousness, there's silliness, there's uncomfortable things that happen.
0: And I think the point of all of this is that the role uh, of husband in Western culture it is changing. It's in flux. I think um, everybody's trying to kind of get their feet underneath them just as to what this is, what it means, and what it's about. And, and of course, the Bible does tell us that uh, there are principles that are important to be godly husbands, you, the dudes, right, uh, to be godly husbands. But of course, it, it gives us a lot of flexibility you know, as a family, as to how we're we're living out these principles. So you want to make sure that, that you're embracing what the Bible does say and apply that to your context. And of course, every family is going to be a bit different. And as we're kind of getting more in flux here, I, I, I think that we're going to be able to give more feedback as time goes on in this podcast as to some ideas of what that can be it, it, living in the 2020s but men don't
1: be boxed into false views of masculinity. Mm-hmm. You know don't be boxed into false views of what it means to be a husband. God created you as a man to be a man different from your wife. And you'll express that differently from your dad, you'll express that differently from your grandfather, or even other men around you in your church, the other dads at the school your kids go to, the other men that are in the different organizations you're with. Your role as a husband is to love your wife and lead your family in representing and extending God's kingdom. Look to Jesus and trust the Holy Spirit to guide you.
0: And thanks for being with us today. Uh, We appreciate you uh, rating and reviewing our podcast, and we'll be with you next time. Jen and I started Operation Thriving Marriage to help couples and churches take marriages from
1: merely surviving to thriving. We've got our book, we've got a blog, and resources for our coaching ministry, and you can bring us out for an Operation Thriving Marriage experience. For more information, go to OperationThrivingMarriage.com. That's OperationThrivingMarriage.com.